If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. I've been up, oh, when I've been down, I've seen the view from the top and the same from the ground. I once held the world in these hands of mine. Now my youth is gone, like yesterday's wine. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Brian, this is a wasted night. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, it is, man. Along along with Brian Siegler, Curtis, welcome here, y'all. Oh, y'all about to get some venting. We've got beverages. It's been approximately going on four hours since the Hokies fall to the Demon Deacons 23-16. And as I just stated, in a wasted day, in a wasted game. Absolutely, dude. Um, really a frustrating game to watch. Um, this wasn't – I mean, we're not going to do a whole lot of X's and O's because watching the game, it wasn't a whole lot of X's and O's that beat us. Uh, we were out there consistently beating ourselves, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely, man. So many things today, so many wasted opportunities, so many, you know, turnovers. Hendon throws three picks today, arguably probably the worst game of his career as a Hokie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really a question. Um I mean, the UVA game was the only other game that's even in this realm, in my opinion, in terms of how he how he played, and he was significantly worse in this game than I think he was at, at UVA. Against UVA, there were more periods of of inconsistency, whereas I felt like, you know, he did really well middle of the field, and like as soon as we got close to scoring range, it just seemed like. You know, the light bulb went off a lot of times and, and play got inconsistent. And, you know, he wasn't helped a whole lot by some of the calls once we got in that area either. So it was kind of just, a, you know, one kept feeding the other tonight, man. Well, uh, play calls, can, 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 I, can I get into a two-play call that if I had not been with my neighbors and their <laughs> kids and our kids out in his yard, we pull the TV up, we're watching it, they're both Hokie grads. Shout out to Ben and Rochelle for having us and the kids over to watch a game. He's pretty calm watching game. Ben, tip your hat to you. When you, not once, not one time, but two times inside the 10-yard line, you run a jet sweep to the fucking short side of the field? What the fuck are you thinking? 
I like it. I like the fire because that, that's what we're going to need to get back from this, man, because this was, you know, everybody talks about it. I mean, whether you're Twitter timeline, your friends, I mean, we all know the Hokies are going to have that one game where they go out, play down to their competition, yep. make some freaking head scratching calls, get, can't get out of their own damn way. And nope. then, you know, a lot of times that ends up as a loss, and that that's what we had tonight, man. It was it, it it was sad because there were so many opportunities to get back in that game, and none of I mean, Wake wasn't out there beating us. I mean, they yeah. played a solid game, and they played they a pretty mistake free game, and that's why they beat us. But they, we couldn't get out of our own way, whether it was all of the miscues on offense and whether it was on defense, just un disciplined and I don't I'm not talking about just scheme wise that was more the early part of the game but in the second half just being undisciplined and giving them free first downs by making some bonehead decisions absolutely the bonehead decisions were just I mean I mean on the defensive side of the ball and this wasn't even scheme one of their first big runs we're in the wrong gap did you you saw that right yeah. We went right, not left. He cut it up. And the next thing you know, it's like a 60-yard game. And it's just, I mean, at least the defense, you know, they had their good and their bad. Yeah. Moment, yeah. Which I think we expecting this year with the scheme change. They only gave up 23 points. You told me and you on Friday or Thursday night, Wake's getting to 23. Oh, that's a W. We would have been calling. You ain't going to put some money on the Hokies in this case because they're not holding us. I didn't think a single team on our schedule was going to hold us to under 20. But they did. Um, and, and, you know. No, they did. We did. We held ourselves to under 20. Hey, they're on the other side. Well, the big piece with them, though, and, and the piece that pisses I'm, the piece that pissed me off, there's going to be the piece that pissed you off in a second. No, we're going to get to that. The piece that pissed me off. As we were sitting here talking Thursday night, we made Tay Robinson our number three guy, right? Yep. We made Tay our number three guy. We made Hendon number two. And you talked about they like to stay in their shells. They're very disciplined. You're going to have to attack them underneath little short throws. They're going to they're the tackling team, so you're going to get five, six yards. You're just going to stick movers, stick movers. We average freaking 13 per completion. That doesn't sound like a stick-moving kind of day to me. No. Like, out the gate, our offensive game plan was apparently run outside to a team that sets a really good edge and throw deep down the sideline to a team that allows a lot of underneath stuff in coverage. So, yeah, we definitely were essentially saying we think we're good enough to attack your strength all day and not take advantage of your weakness. Meanwhile not executing the plays that are that are even being sent in half the time. So, you know, you combine those things and, you know, it just feels like, you know, it's kind of the trifecta, man. We've talked about it before, yeah. but it's like it, it didn't feel like we were properly prepared to play this team, especially on offense. It didn't feel like we were properly executing. And at times it just looked like we were lost. Like we, like we didn't know, like once we moved the ball into a scoring area, we just forgot what we were doing. And I, and I've never, I haven't seen that from this team this year. We've done very good at finishing drives. Even, even when we kicked three, 
sometimes we did a good job of closing drives, making some big plays out of nothing. And it just seemed like we let little things bother us too much. Like one little thing goes wrong and all of a sudden, you know, we've got three straight plays that are either negative or, or don't get us the yards we need to keep moving. Absolutely. Brian, I said one scheme thing offensively. Let me ask you this. What's the one thing you said Thursday night that they do really well? They set the edge well, man. And what did you say we should attack? The middle of the defense. What did what did we decide to do on offense? Uh, we decided to attack the perimeter of the uh, defense all night, both in the jet sweep game and outside zone. We decided for whatever reason that, you know, once once we realized that they were setting a very strong edge with the outside zone, that we just kept running it instead of maybe pivoting to more inside zone where we could really attack between the tackles, neutralize, bash them a little bit, neutralize those outside linebackers. I mean, there every time for for like the first few drives, every time it was a obvious rushdown, they were just run blitzing to the side opposite of where Herbert was lining up, knowing that he was going to run outside zone that direction. So if he was to the left of Hooker, they were running some sort of run blitz to the yep. right of Hooker and just pressing that area. And it took too long for us to adjust and say, all right, well, maybe we should start making that a true read instead of a, a just the outside zone call. And once we did that, that's when Hooker got some of those those rushing yards yeah. late in the second quarter into the third quarter. Um, but we didn't do it quick enough. And then once we found that that's what they were doing, we didn't stay with it well enough to really do anything there. But it, it was like once the outside zone wasn't working and, you know, we threw a couple screens to him, but we didn't do anything else to get Herbert involved in the running game at that point. Like it was like, oh, well, outside zone's not working, so I guess we're going to lean on Hooker now. Like, no, manufacture this guy some touches, but just stop running into the damn strength of the defense. Stop running to the strength of the defense. And it, let's – you mentioned number eight. You didn't get his name, and we still don't have his name. You mentioned number eight, the linebacker on Thursday, about get to him. Guess what you can do? He cannot shed block. Why you were so focused on the inside zone and putting Brock at number one. Yep. And we ended up we ended up running away from him most of the night, so he was unblocked and trailing the play, which for an athletic guy is exactly what plays into what he does the best. What he doesn't do well is shed blocks. Run at him. Make him shed a block. Make him shed a block. No, no, no. We're just going to let him run. Run him free on the backside and make plays while we set the edge on the opposite side. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew what we were getting with Boogie Basham, but we can't let somebody that could be neutralized make plays. Absolutely. So you you run to one of their stronger points, and one of the first times, and it, it it's it's when I started getting that pit, that ugly feeling in my stomach. We get near midfield, that first third down, and it's third and like one or two. So it's short, and we're I'm like, yeah, this is good. We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna get two or three yards. They run the ball, and somehow James Mitchell, love him to death, great player, potential future pro. Into all ACC selection, right? Yep. He's trying to block Boogie Basham. And I'm sitting here saying, this is cool every now and then. You, you said it, and then I said, it's okay. In my head, it's like, yeah, you're right, Brian. It's okay every now and then if he needs to chip or on certain plays. Yes. On a third and one and a half or two yards, the fuck? 
I mean, and he did that, and, he, and it was, again, it was another outside zone, and, I mean, he he kind of did a little uh, little hump move with, with uh, Mitchell, got got inside, and, it, I mean, blew the play up before it really got a chance to get going. And, I mean, that was kind of the the story of the night. I mean, I think Basham had a good game, but, like, we didn't scheme to really take him out of the game. Nope. Um, and we kind of schemed in a way that gave some of their other players an easier night than they should have had. Um, we should have been we should have been forcing their linebackers and safeties with some underneath and some easy throw to make tackles against Trey, Mitchell, against Herbert, against Blackshear. But we didn't do that. No. We chose not to do that. The, the only player that was consistently getting to the second level in the running game was Hendon Hooker. We weren't yeah. doing anything to get Herbert to the second level. There was only I mean, we had one good run by by Herbert that got called back on a hold, which was wow. kind of bogus. And we'll, we will get to the referee situation later. That was a problem tonight, but that's not what losses this game. Nope. So we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. I know I know there are some folks that are complaining about the re- the referee situation. To their point, they are right, but that didn't cost us the game. We we shot ourselves in the foot, and there there, there was no way it should have. We should have let the referees impact that game, and ultimately we did, and that's why we lost. Yeah. Um. So put up 433 yards. It, it, we were moving the ball. Yes. That, that that's that's the frustrating thing is that you know we were only, you know, 40 or 50 yards behind our our season yeah. average in the yeah. in the game, but we're. 20 plus points behind our season average in scoring that that's that's, that's significant nice. guys you're really? talking about you're talking about less than one decent drive in total yards behind our season average but significantly lower in terms of the points that we put on the board that tells me a lot of things i mean we've already said it once but holy shit the amount of points that were left on this football field by this offense. And that's, yeah. that's, I mean, we'll talk about the two missed field goals. One probably should have been a, a make that wasn't the yeah. other was going to be a, a, a difficult make anyway. So, I mean, that, that is what it is. You're not, you're not going to make all those 50 plus yarders. So I'll, I'll let the one slide. The other one probably should have been a make. So that's, that's at least three there. Two times getting inside the red zone and not not just punching it in is is so sorry three times three times getting I remember the pick yeah, the pick. yeah. so two times settling for a short three and then one time throwing a pick which I mean was partially on Hooker and partially on the receiver there I mean it was a little high but we we, we gotta we gotta talk to Hooker a little bit here because all day when he was throwing over the middle he was missing high and you can't miss high over the middle that's that's the cardinal sin of quarterbacking. Well, hold on. Was it two? Was it three or was it four? Hold on. Was it four? Is there another one? Well, there was the pick. There were two picks in the end zone, right? No, no, no. There was just one. There was just the one pick. The little he overthrew the seam on the other. He overthrew the seam on one, but that was that wasn't in the end zone though. The The other thing was thrown into into the scoring area, but we weren't in the scoring area when it was three. The other thing that I'll say. And this again, this makes me mad. It happened in the UNC game, and it's happened again here tonight. So once again, 
I put this on the person calling the plays. And I know he's going to get bust a lot, and I bust him a lot, and I probably busted Stein Springway too much back in the day. This is a 10-point game, and we get the ball, and it's like, I think it's six minutes left. I'd have to go back and look. But there was no urgency. Oh, we got this. We got this. Dude, we ain't up 10. We're down 10. Where is the urgency to get going? And I'm sitting here. That's on the coaches. That's not only on the play caller. That's on the head coach. Because if the head coach is not seeing the urgency, you need to be screaming like, get on your asses and go. We don't have enough time to get this ball three times. We have two possessions left. Yeah, I want to say we it was it was like eight thirty left, and then we just you know you you text I thought you texted me and said we need to score within two minutes, and it just wasn't happening. Um, hold on, I'm gonna get you on here because I this is the one that that's the one that drove me crazy, and I do have all scoring plays up because we kicked a field goal. Yeah. John nails like a fifty yarder. He was you know yeah he, first- he redeemed because he had missed I think that he missed the fifty yarder of the previous drive. He missed the yard. He missed. And then he came back and made the one the next drive. Exactly. So here we go. This one. And I might be talking about the previous drive when when I was referencing the. Uh, There's five minutes left on the clock. That's what it was. Yeah. Point. There's five minutes left on the clock. It literally took us two and a half minutes to kick a to kick a yard field goal. Two and a half minutes to go. What is that? 54-yard field goal would be, what, 35-yard line, roughly? Yep. 37-yard line. It literally took us, let's see, 22 to go 35 yards. It took us two and a half minutes. That's on – That's on. Coach, one thing, this is on you. Because if you're not lighting a fire under the play caller's ass and under that offense's ass to get going, it's on you. Yep. At some point, you gotta say, guys, what are you doing? Get this yeah. right. Get going. Get down the field. I mean, you know, not everything can be put on the players. Um, at some point, the coach has to be cognizant of the situation and understand that, you know, there, there's no, there's, there isn't a way of doing this faster than it should be done. You've got to get up there and do it, and consistently on that drive I will say yeah you're right they they were they didn't they they weren't they didn't seem like they appreciated the lack of time remaining in the game um and I don't know if that is corn overthinking it and not getting the plays out there fast enough or what but it just you know it, it's frustrating that we're having these conversations because this is probably one of the better offenses we've ever had in terms of yeah talent and ability and yeah there's no way that that, that offense should be held to under 20 points. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not with the playmakers that you have offense. It's players all over the place. It is a very good offensive line. It's essentially like, I, it's essentially like maybe they're, they're trying to be corporate guys. We're going to put these teams in the toughest position possible to see how they do when you're like, your goal is to win a football game, not put people in really hard positions to overcome. Yeah. The goal is to score at will, whether it be well, they're giving us this, they give you that, you take it. Yeah, and I mean, so, you know, I mean, and I know these things kind of happen, man, because I mean, I I played on one of the offenses I played on when I was in college, man, was one was the highest scoring 
uh, offense across all divisions that year. But we had one game against a team that was like at the time, like four and four. So, I mean, we should have been able to score against them if we didn't do anything else. And we go out there and we put up, I think we put up 18. We ended up winning like 18 to 12. And it was like one of those ugly games in early November. And I just remember thinking like, like looking at, we are way too talented to, to not be putting up at least a 30 burger against this team. And I feel like that's what I was looking at tonight. I'm like, this team is just, they're not executing and the calls are not flowing. And again, like you said, there's no sense of urgency. So we, we had kind of that trifecta that really was, was shooting us in the foot on offense, man. So very disappointed across the board. I will go ahead and, and make a note here. Um, you know, we had put Brock in as our number one, and I'd kind of thrown in Luke Tenuta as, as one B. Yeah. Luke, Luke did not have a good game. No, he didn't. No, he looked slow. He looked mm-hmm. slow. Basham got, got him a couple times. Uh, the other defensive end, I, I, I can't think of his name right now. He got him once. Um, I know, I know Hooker held the ball longer than he should have a couple times. But yeah, didn't do a very good job on the edge. Um, I, I know this team is good at setting the edge, but you're supposed to be pretty damn good yourself. So sometimes you just got to nut up and, and you know take the L when it comes. And this this is going to be an L for Luke Tenuta. L for Luke Tenuta. But again, maybe it's something we're seeing with COVID more and more as guys has come back. Um, think about the linebacking core. Think about the safeties. Maybe this is something you can't just throw guys if they have it and throw them right back into what they were doing, even with a full week of practice. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, I'd say across the board, the offensive line did not have a great game. They were getting, they were getting fitted up, but they were not dominating the way we've seen them dominate the last few games in terms of just taking over those blocks. Um, even, even Christian Darisaw had a couple where he either yeah. whiffed on a pull or something like that. Like, I think there was one where, um, I want to say it was one where Hooker kept it and he whiffed on the pull and you know Hooker was able to fall forward for like four or five yards, but that could have been like a 20, 30 yard gain if he yeah. just gets a decent block on the pull. So, I mean, there's it's a whole lot of little things out there that really just kind of put the brakes on the offense and it, it put the brakes on the offense at the worst possible time. Like it wasn't like we had a bunch of three and outs. We were consistently moving the football against this defense and then we would just have brain farts. Oh, absolute brain farts. All right. The clock back there chimes, so I think we should move. Let's do talk a little more about the defense. We've done a lot of the offense. We said yeah, couple- I'm going to apologize in advance, man. I'm at my, I'm my parents' house, and the only place that I won't wake people up is in a place with a grandfather clock, so y'all going to be hearing some chiming. No, but it will also be to me and you, Kate. Maybe we should move to the next subject. Let's talk about the defense. My opinion, Brian, I think they had their good, their bad moments. I mentioned that earlier. They only gave up 23 points. They held a team that had been scoring 30 in ACC play to well to a whole touchdown under their average. Um, but what 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 happened? And you talked about some of the stuff we talked about not filling a gap. They were missing tackles when we needed the takedowns. It, it wasn't it, it wasn't the Carolina game where they were out of place and just with it yeah. on everything. They were missing tackles at critical junctures. They Can I highlight the- one moment that, that really pissed me off? Okay, what's that? What, the only, that so w- w- the first drive, there was a lot of bad, but you're adjusting to what they're doing. Yeah. Some things are different, so I'm going to discount that. Mm-hmm. But the drive 
just before halftime. Oh, God. Where we could not get off the field on fourth down. That just bugged the shit out of me because a couple times we were in place to stop them and did not. And that's unacceptable. I mean, it, it's one thing if, you know, they block you or, you know, even if you go out and full speed miss a tackle, that's fine. But when you're essentially giving the ground, you're there, you're there to make the play. You either are too hesitant with the tackle or you end up, you know, letting the running back just run you over for the first down. Like, no, make the play. All right, Brian, hold on. Just so, first of all, that was a drive. That was a clock killer, too. 17 plays, 75 yards for the touchdown to go up 17-10. We never led in this game. We tied them. That was the only time we were tied with them. So I go scroll through the drive, and let's start counting. Third and three, 11-yard pass. That's one. Third and six, they get five, but they go for it. Fourth and one, they get an 11-yard run. That's two. Fourth and two again. They get a seven-yard pass. That's three. Fourth and one again. That's 13. They get a five-yard, a three-yard run plus a five-yard face mask. That's four. So two, three of those were fourth downs. Yeah. So they can, they got yards on third, and they got enough yards to feel comfortable going for it on fourth. Yep. And that, that that was such a killer. Because we just tied, and it's like I'm sitting there with my neighbor, and I'm saying, "Can we just stop right here? We're feeling it. We can get back, get the lead." That was the that was the time that the offense was humming the best. Yep. You know the the drive just before that, where we got to ten, and then the drive just before the interception that closed out the half. Like those two drives, we looked like a competent offense pretty much every play. Yep. And. You know, having that long drive where the offense is sitting for so long and then they get, they end up getting, you know, seven points. I was, I was hoping, I was like, oh, just hold them to three here. You know, we, they've had a long drive, but despite, you know, them converting a fourth down before we could, you know, get the ball back when they weren't in, in, uh, scoring range, they're in scoring range now. Just get off the field. Just get off the field. Just get off the, and it just never, it never happened, man. It, that was, that was so frustrating. That was the most frustrating defensive drive of the game. I will say, other than lack of discipline in the second half in terms of oh, how they handled themselves from a penalty yeah. standpoint, we I thought they played a pretty good second half. Well, yeah, man. I mean, the defense settled down and they adjusted. I mean, we gave up over – we gave up about 250 yards on the ground again. Um, but but I expected that against this team. Uh, okay. But 161 was in the first half. The adjustments were made. They got less than 100. They got 89 yards in the second half. So the adjustments were made for the defense. They got to 17. Wake Forest kicked two field goals in the second half. Two. Give the defense credit. There were some times they could have made a third down stop and continued to drive. Great. They gave up 23 points. They got gashed early. Essentially, we got it fixed. The one thing I'm learning about Ham pretty quick is just because his initial game plan isn't brilliant, he is good at making adjustments. He is good at getting putting guys in the right spots on what the other team's doing. Um, 
he's diagnosing and making the, the right change. So it, it's one thing to say, okay, I know what we're doing wrong, but the fact that he's actually making changes that are having a marked impact on the game, that that's showing both growth in hit from his first game to now. And also that I think some of the guys are starting to get a little more accustomed to what he does, what he does and how, how, what their role is within that. Because I mean, the, Again, like I said, other than some of those mental lapses, the the defense played pretty damn good in the second half. Um, You know, they weren't lights out, but that's a good enough offense where if you hold them to less than 10 points and a half, you're doing something pretty good. Exactly. And so, you know, that that sort of big one, you know, they did lose some leverage at times. You know, one piece about using the leverage We we mentioned earlier. Wrong gaps early cost us some really big plays. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but at least with defense, and, you, and we just said it, at least with defense, we see things that they're doing. Like, we, my untrained eyes can literally see, okay, we're playing better. We're doing some things different. We're getting to our spots quicker. We're doing some things different on the line. We're making it tougher for them to move the ball. Yep. And, and – I can I can respect that and I like that. Now what Ham's got to figure out and is you've got to figure out what to do to start the game hot. Yeah, I agree. You have an we need, to be, we need to be better because you know we ended up having a good not great first drive and then they ended up scoring first. So you know, we, we've got to be able to when if we don't come out hot on offense to be able to get a stop and still keep that opening kickoff momentum, because when we haven't scored first, it's been kind of a slog when we've been able to get out there and kind of put pressure on the other team to score points. I mean, that that's kind of plays into what we do, because not only can we be more Aggressive. reliant upon the running game, but also the defense. Um, you know, teams playing behind tend to take a little bit more risk as they're trying to play catch up there, and I think our our defense takes better advantage of those situations. So, well, we can we can say it. Started flat on offense, we've lost both. Yeah, and I'm gonna go ahead and point it out, man. Um, all three road games, we have not started well. The first quarter has been bad in all three road games. It's true. Um, Duke game, though, with the exception of the fumble, we sort of controlled the first half. Um, Carolina yeah. game, we, we, we they, they they didn't do anything to hurt us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only we, the only thing that they did well in the first half was that big negative play on the uh, the muff punt. Um, these other these other two teams, UNC and now Wake, have taken advantage of some of the things we did. UNC to greater effect, Wake to enough effect to win the football game. So at the end of the day, it all matters the same. Absolutely. Um, linebacker, uh, our, our three guys that we said that had to play key roles today um, defensively. I mean, I think, I think linebackers other than missing a gap a couple times, they played okay. Not their best. Um, not I their think best. It was their best game since NC state. Okay. Cornerbacks. 110 yard pass, and he was very efficient, but they weren't getting big plays. They were making some stick movers. 
and the defensive tackles were, you know, that that's the that's what drives you sort of crazy about the defense is the guys we highlighted all played. They did not play. Uh, let, let's go on a scale of one to ten. Did they play ten? No. Did they play zero or one? No. Did they play five? No. They were somewhere in that like six and a half to eight range. Yeah. Right. That that's where I put them. Maybe yeah. I'm. Maybe I'm Putting them wrong for those. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the secondary played an above-average game, and I'd say the linebackers and defensive tackles played a good game, not a great game. But that's that's again. So I, they didn't, you know, I, you know, if you're giving them a grade, probably B, B minus for the for the corners. I'd, I'd say go ahead and give them a solid B, and probably a C to C plus for the um to the other guys. So I mean, they didn't. Nothing. Nothing they did was bad. Um, and like I said, the biggest negative that I have for those groups is that, you know, you had Hewitt and, and, and Pollard that really just had some boneheaded discipline plays that, that hurt us at key moments, man. Well, Hewitt gets the targeting and we were watching it with our other neighbor, the coach. And, and he said it, I mean, coach watches a ton of collegiate sports. He's like, that's a targeting. He's like, he's like, I, you know, and they're saying they ruined because a they didn't throw the flag. They reviewed it after the fact. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let's let me pull back on that because we're going to get into these refs in a few minutes. <laughs> um. But yeah, they were playing hot, and, and Hewitt. We'll, we'll talk about the penalty in a while, but him. Yes, he was visibly upset. Now, if you remember, if you've not heard during the game or at any game this year, player ejected now can stay on the sidelines. They had to take Hewitt to the back. Because Hewitt was livid. Hewitt yeah. was out of his mind. It's, we, we, he got a sack on that play. Saget's essentially nullified with the targeting 15, which would have moved him like to the 30 or maybe the 40. He gets the other penalty on top of that, which gives, moves them well down into field position. Oh, yeah. It, it, it took, it was a, it went from a major positive play to like a backbreaking negative play. Yep. In just a couple seconds, man, between – and, like, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about the rest, man, but, you know, Hewitt in that situation, I get his frustration, but you can't make something that you is don't. bad worse. Like, you know, don't don't let that beat you. You can't let something that you can't control beat you, and he did in this case. He did in that case, yeah. And, you know, all day penalty-wise, and we'll get into the rest, but all day, I mean, 10 to 112 yards. I do the math. 112 yards is enough to probably get you into an end zone. And when you lose by a touchdown, along with three turnovers, along with other countless errors, yeah, it, it ends up the way it ends up. On the drive where we took over with, like, just under 10 minutes left and uh, that – um, run where Herbert breaks a big one and it gets called back. Doug like Herbert, I think her, it was like a 30 yarder and it, and it comes back and I'm like, this, this is the epitome of the day we were having, man. It's yep. just, it was completely indicative of the day we were having. And it just, man, yeah. These frustrate me more than ones like UNC where you felt like for one reason or another, they just had our number. Like it didn't, this didn't feel like the better team won. And that's, what's really frustrating. <laughs> that's why we're drinking at 11. 
not sitting – well, I think we'd still be having a celebration beer if we won this game, but it's like yeah. now we're drinking to be like, what the f- – all right, so so we got two we got two more main topics we're going to touch here. We're, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the refs here in a second, and then we're going to take a little bit of a dive into the coaching staff and what they need to do going forward. <laughs> let's do the refs first. Yeah, let's go for it. Because I think the other one, I, I might drop more f bombs. And <laughs> for, for anybody that is with their children at the beginning of this, because you know when our f bombs are coming, maybe I am sorry I have dropped a lot tonight. Yeah, this is definitely like a uh, listen to in the car on the way to work, not a taking your kids to school situation for those that are actually taking their kids to school in this situation. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, okay, first of all, the, the refs. Yeah. Um, one a- of any my, particular calls that, that stand out to you? How is their kids catch interference on an onside kick that hits the ground? You know, whether or not it hit the ground – You've got to take a fucking look at that, right? You've got to at least look at it. You can't, no way that ref saw in real time that that ball did not hit the ground. First of all, y'all, this got big man upset. His eyes got about as big as a damn cue ball. Like, like I think you, if you were near the head official at there, you would have probably smacked him. Like, no. Man, and, when, I, when I used to coach, I would talk so much trash to officials. Man, you – they they would have had to kick me out of the game after that one, because after everything we had been through, and we finally get a three, and you know there's time. It's like and and that's the double way. Like why not just no flag it? They ended up getting yeah. the ball. Just no flag it. Well, just the no other thing it. was I don't see the guy make the signal. They showed the guy. And the guy's trying to get the recovery because you can't you can't be up here like oh fair catch. Let me put my hand in the air and not try to secure the ball. There, they showed it, and I'm looking. I'm like, well, he didn't fair catch it. He's like sitting here trying to catch the ball, and they're like, fair catch. Yeah, to me, that looked like he, the 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 kicker, hit the top of the nose, and the one where you know you slam it into the ground, and then it gets the high bounce. And that's what it did. It that's was what it looked like to me on in real time. So how they saw that he undertowed it, and it never touched the ground. They couldn't. There's there's no way they saw that in real time, and and like I said, I don't have a problem. I have a problem with the flag in general, but if you're gonna throw the flag, at least look at it, because there's no way you saw it in real time and you were 100% sure that it didn't hit the ground. Well, there's no way I should even be throwing an onside kick anyway, because uh, to your point is you you can't say what happened because if. I mean, is there Brian? Is there a penalty where if you attempt to on or you you attempt to fair catch a onside kick that hits the ground, you know, heck, that that'd be the easiest way to never lose an onside kick. Just throw your hands in the air, just throw them up, fair catch. To my hits. knowledge, ever since they put in the the kick catch interference rule, no one has kicked the ball in a way that you know people used to do the pop up. Yep. And to my knowledge, that's not taught anymore. It's either you know, you, you you top nose it where it, it dives and bounces real quick. You do the 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 the, the circle move where it kind of the Brian yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Where exactly you that thing down and he got to it. Yeah, you either do that or you do the the little uh, nudge where you just kind of push it forward in the middle of the um, the kicking unit and usually try to let the kicker recover it. All right. Let's get away from that one. 
<laughs> Let's go to one that's probably near and dear to your heart. The huge 30-yard run by Juice where they show the play. Um, Doug Nestor was just blocking his guy. Yeah. Um, and that was a momentum-breaking play because we get that play. It's like, oh, here we go. It, it, it's about to happen. We're about to go pop one in. Well, it, it's another where, you know, it, it was away from the ball. Um, I didn't see clearly that, you know, where, where there was the hands outside of the, the shoulder pads or anything like Like, everything was... The guy was on the ground when the flag was flying. Yeah, like the ground already. I mean, it, it's frustrating because, like, at that point in, like, I, 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 I'm an offensive lineman, so I know I'm gonna be biased here. But number <laughs> one, if your hands aren't outside or you're not pretty much pulling a guy to the ground you should swallow the flag every time. Number two, you should definitely swallow the flag in that situation where the it's running away from where the block is taking place and there's not some sort of egregious showing there. It's almost like someone said, hey, these guys are rushing for too many yards, refs, take a look at it, and they, like, overcorrected. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right, well, let's get to the, the, the one that that really hurt was the Hewitt flag. Again, I'm outside. It's We're outside, so the volume, we've got it up, but it's still tough to see just where we're at. And I don't see a flag. We're there with Coach who lives across the street, and he, and he says, that's targeting. I'm like, well, yeah, but they didn't float a flag to you. You can't review it. He's like, I think they're reviewing it. When can you just review a targeting call that's not called on the field? Is that something that changed this year? I don't know if that changed. If if it did, I'm not aware of it. Um, I think that that's something we'd be aware of, though, right? That we 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 it would have been a big story where if you're targeting a guy, they can look at it even if there's no flag on the play. I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna actually look it up real quick. Let's go. Efforting here. Efforting. Um, but either way, I mean, it, we, that play goes from a sack where I believe it would have been, you know, third this, down. This is, this is not oft used. Apparently, this is an old rule. Is it really? It's it's just so not oft used. Or, <laughs> but uh, apparently, it uh, was added in 2016. Allows replay officials to call targeting from upstairs. Okay, well, let's see if they, uh, if Clemson or North Carolina or Miami will get that thrown on them at any time this year. You want to make a bet? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen to them. But that happens. It looks like a big sack. Get way behind the chains. You know, one of those momentum building plays. And then everything happened. Hewitt lost his mind. Um, you know, and and I think it is because it's a guy that plays hard, who's undersized, who gives everything, leaves it on the field. That if you look at the play, did it look? It didn't look dirty because he was Harmon was running away, and we can't see the launch angle from where Hewitt came from. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was. I, I I thought it was more questionable than it being like, oh, that's blatant. 
Um, yeah. I, again, we're however many years into this thing, and I still don't know what a targeting looks like if you showed me one. I can tell you what a bad one looks like. I can't tell you what a borderline one looks like. I think I don't. I don't know where the line is, and that's the problem with these things is that you don't really know where the line is because sometimes you know you think it's definitely an ejection and they stay, and then sometimes you think, oh, that's that's not even close, and then they get kicked. So, yeah, I still don't know where the line is. Um, like I said, I, I know a bad one when I see it, <laughs> but that's about all I know right at this point, man. Well, I think it's the piece of is targeting a good rule. Yes. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's a very good rule to have. It You're trying to teach better fundamental rules of the game. But in some cases, it's, well, A, was it malicious? B, did anybody change angles on the – was he essentially going for his head as soon as he left? Or is it one of these things where the way he left, he was going for his chest? And – his angle came up and just got him in the head. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's this way. Like, they tried to make it objective in terms of ruling out intent. But then they've now they've made it objective in terms of what is and is not this type of contact. Because, you know, I get you don't want to, you know, you don't want to assume intent either for or against whether the player was going, you know, attempting to hit the player in that, in that range or, or, or region. But at the same time, by removing intent, you're, you're essentially taking away part of the way you objectively look at the hit altogether. Because I mean, if I'm a guy that's aiming at a chest and all of a sudden my aiming point is now ahead, that's a problem. And that's not on the defender. I mean, the defender can only do so much to avoid that. Um, you know, so I feel like, like I said, taking away some of the subjectivity has caused only more subjectivity because you end up looking at something else different now. And, and it's almost objective to the point of, well, this is the rule regardless of any circumstances that take place on the field. And, and there's very few situations where that, should be the case, but I don't know. What, what do I know? I'm an offensive lineman. You're an offensive lineman, exactly. <laughs> the guys say, you know, in some of the press or interviews, you know, they need to be more disciplined and stuff. And, um, you know, but in a game like today, there was an unspecified personal foul because they call it and they didn't show anything. And I hate those. I hate those so much. It's like, what happened? If there's a personal foul, you need to show it. Yeah, you need to get make sure you get the number and then you show the replay. So, you know, so you remember that. It's just like personal foul, junior tech, 15 yard first down. Why? Hey, home flight, why? Yeah, you, and and show it like I, I don't know whether it was just the camera crew couldn't find what was called or or what at that point. So, hey, you know, listen. There, there's plenty of things we can bag on the rest for, but as we said at the beginning of this, they we should we, we shouldn't have let the refs be able to determine this outcome. This should have been a two score game yeah. going into some of the key moments towards the end. Um, you know, whether we ended up covering or not, it is is you know irrelevant at this point. We sh- we should have had a it should have been a two score game going into the fourth quarter, and 
we shouldn't have let the refs even be able to have any sort of say in the outcome here. So this is 100% on Virginia Tech, but that doesn't mean the refs did make some some pretty had a pretty rough day. <laughs> Absolutely, to say the least. All right, so let's let's jump. Um, I think we, just the way we've mentioned it here, the players, the game plans that were out there were not executed significantly well. We've already mentioned that with Hamilton, the early, the adjustments he made, it sort of fixed it. But, again, his issue is multiple times now teams have, you know, essentially gotten out even in the BC game. We don't force turnovers. They're moving the ball. He's got to fix his initial game plans to your point, which you said earlier, Brian, where when we're not humming early on offense or we're trying to find our groove, we're not just getting gashed and giving up points. Yeah, you're right, man. Um, we need to just be better out the gate, both on offense and defense. And th- this applies to um, all these road games, man. All of these road games, we have not looked great out the jump against BC. Um, you know, even though we made some adjustments there, out the jump, we were not playing well. Uh, we've got to be better in the first quarter on both yep. sides of the ball, but especially on defense because that's when we really struggled um, to get some stops. We've, we've let big gash plays happen in the first quarter in pretty much every game at this point, um, except for NC state. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately for Duke, we were able to hold them to just three points, um, on that one. And then obviously, um, some of the other games, it's been, you know, a lot worse, um, with, uh, with what happened today and then what happened against NC uh, against UNC, um, just got to be better out the gate. I don't know if it's a game plan issue or an execution issue or just not not playing well. I don't. I don't right think. Like, can I give my opinion real quick, Brian? Yeah. I don't think it's an execution issue because I think the adjustments that they're making at halftime, we wouldn't see playing significantly better. That's why I don't think it's as much as an. There's some ex, there's an execution of the initial game plan, but yeah. when we're doing the adjustments. It's better. The guys are playing better. The guys are playing. I'll say this. I I think what we're not doing is that we're not dictating terms out the gate. We're, we're kind of letting them dictate the terms and reacting. And then once we figure out, you know, how they're trying to play the game, we're adjusting to that. And then we're figuring out, okay, well they're doing this so we can attack here, but we're not doing a good job of game planning where we can dictate the terms early on in the game. And I think that that's what's hurting us right now is that we're not asserting ourselves on defense and kind of going out there and just, you know, taking their will early. It's it's more of a we're going to feel you out. OK, this is what you're doing. Now we're going to attack and, and take away some of those weapons. But we're not doing that out the gate. So that's got to get better. I don't know if that's a, uh, you know, a game plan issue or just not breaking down the tape the way we need to so we know what they're going to try to do. I will say that they had a different game plan in the running game than I thought they were out the gate. They definitely went more the Beal Smith one cut kind of quick hitters than the, in the slow mesh RPO. There were still, I mean, they still had the slow mesh, but it was, um, you know, they went more with Beal Smith on those early carries and yeah, that, 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 that one cut kind of got us, man. And I think probably what it was with the one cut was us where we, they saw in the UNC game, we were more 
times really early in that game we were making indecisions. Late not. to the fits, late to the fits, and he was able to get to the second <laughs> level. And like I said, he was he's the guy that early in the down, if he got to the second level, he was dangerous. And then, um, you know, we ended up letting him uh, take advantage of that on the edge, man. Well, essentially they were saying we're not we're you have to make a choice versus the patient guy. We, we'll deal with him. We'll let him run a little later. We'll let him run a little later when it's and he had some success, but we also threw him for several negative plays in the second half as well. So, well, give their staff credit for understanding what we're doing good or what we were doing bad on front uh, and how we're feeling and everything. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's get again. <laughs> Defense deserves to be we, – we, we, we can lash at the defense, as Brian chugs over there. <laughs> but we, we've got it dressed. You're going to get 12 of them, man. Just wait it out. <laughs> I'll cut it out. I'll cut, I'll cut it out in editing. <laughs> no, no cut out in editing. We're going to leave the grandfather clock in. All right. Leave it in because – The bell tolls midnight, man. Let's do it. As the bell told midnight, our head coach, I told you a little earlier, is the first time – I'm going to put it this way. My confidence as our head coach went down at times today. Okay. And it, and what it is, is I'm going to just – I'll say it bluntly. The person he's allowing to run this offense does not know how to fully run this offense. That look, and I'm gonna put in on this analogy. We grew up in a town where there are people who essentially have Camaros, Mustangs, old school cars. They set them up. They go down to some of the drag strips and they race them, right? Yep. Right. I work. We worked with a guy. Yeah. 68 Nova. Heck of a drag racer. And Big Dave knew how to get his car set up and he knew how to race it where we grew up. There were guys who knew how to really get a car set up, but then you hear about them going and they did not have a good thing at the drag ship because they did not know how to drive the car. Yep. That's what we have on offense. I think, I think the person who is creating, he knows how to tune up a car, that big stone gap play, man. Jesus, that was a thing of beauty. There was nobody within him. That was a beautiful play design. Some of the jet sweeps today, beautiful play design. He does not know how to get into the car, though, and drive it at how you need to drive it on every game or on every drive. Make sense? It does, man. It does. Um and I mean, watching it, I kind of, I mean, I see some of the same type things that you're talking about. Um, when we look at the offensive play calling, and I'm going to specifically say the play calling, because as you said, I think the design of the offense is very good. Damn good. But I think that the combination of calling and execution leaves something to be desired. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it. There's moments that it looks good, and then there's moments that I'm like, I just I scratch my head, and I'm like, what? What are you tr- trying to even and do there? Um, short side jet sweeps. <laughs> short side jet sweeps. I mean, uh, and you know, I mean, a couple times, 
we had jet sweep calls and I don't know if it was a, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to tell whether hooker is truly reading on the jet sweep or whether it's a, we're giving we're giving it regardless. Um, but there were a couple times where if, if he was truly reading and not just carrying out a fake that he would have walked in for a touchdown. That second one, he would have. Yeah. There was nobody on the right side of that field. They all flowed. If he pulls it, he walks. And that's an extra four points. So, again, I can't speak to whether that's a design or whether that was just a bad read. But if it was a design, yeah, I, I would prefer pretty much, unless it's like a short yardage, like a, like a third and one, where we just want the ball in Herbert's hands. Yeah. I want everything to be a read. I, I want I want Hooker to have the option to pull it and go at any given point. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't know if, if that's the case here, but just I'm putting my feelings out there um, on the situation. So. Well, uh, and, and I'm going to go to one other thing, and my I hope and for those who. Ask about the analogy I made about Brad Cornelson. You don't understand it. Please message the BC or DM the BC or message me directly. Um, it's on our it's on our page, and, and yeah. I'll tell you what I mean. But Brian, I, I messaged you earlier, and about three four months ago, they showed the Rose Bowl TCU versus Wisconsin. And if you don't recall when that game was on, I legitimately sent you every single freaking play that was called because that was Fuente calling the plays. And me kind of shared it with some other people. And everybody's like, it's brilliant. There's times where he's going back to the same thing, same thing, and then he sees a slight adjustment, and he does something completely that uh, that exposes where they adjusted. Yep. It looked like It looks like something that was planned, you know? Who would have thought? (laughs) It's it's like I think where I'm saying I'm losing the confidence in him is you got this guy who knows how to create a good game plan. You know you know how to call good plays. That is why you be that's why you got hired to be a head coach. What you did at TCU is why you got hired at Memphis. I believe he's a good head coach, but I believe he's also known this guy for the last 17 years of his life. And I believe he's it's it's I hate to say this. It's now two times in our lifetime with the same program where there's one thing preventing you from getting over the hump, and it's your loyalty. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm Justin for Wednesday, I sit tomorrow and say, design the game plan, I'm calling it next week. Because I need to see if it, what you're doing is what I'm doing. And if it's, if I go out there next week and I put 63 points on the board, then I've already I've already answered it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off your uh, your analogy there. All right, we're gonna go old school here, guys. So when I say the Fast and Furious, I'm not talking about <laughs> the 2009 movie. I'm talking about the original 2001 movie. I saw it. Yeah, as did I. You see that together? Possibly. About twenty years ago, we said together. Quite possibly, man. Okay. Um. So remember Jesse, kind of the guy that 
would would set up a lot of the uh, the NOS systems in the in the cars. But he, he took his car to the uh, the track and he couldn't do it. You don't want Jesse behind the car. You want Dom Toretto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brad Cornelson is Jesse, except we don't have anyone to kill him. That is a complete joke. Nobody's <laughs> in this man to freaking compromise. Complete joke. Not want anybody to go kill our offensive coordinator because I think he can design damn good plays. And I think that should be his job. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I think I'm going to edit this out. No, we're, we're, we're going to keep that in, man. We're going to keep that in. It's just the truth. There are some guys who can do that. I, I, I'm a 49ers fan, Brian. And actually, your Colts are a, a good way to put this too with um with uh, Frank Wright. Those guys know how to design and call. Yeah, they they do. They also know how to be. Well, Kyle made a few screw ups here and there, but overall, he's been. A, they've both been good head coaches. It, it's just not in his DNA to call. It's not in his DNA. Like today, I feel like if, if Fuente had been on that call after those first few outside edge runs, I think he would have ran three up on inside zone and then just said, you want to play that hard edge? You keep going. I'm going to keep going right here. I think after the first few times when we took a shot, I think he would have said, okay, I'm going to start peppering you. Again, I go back to the game, that Rose Bowl game. And you saw that. Yeah. You saw the change in gears. You saw him – and, and it's, I think for us, we pine for it because in me and you close to being now 25-year fans, we've never had a play caller that just got it. Yeah. That just got it. We've had great players. The system we have now We've had great players, we've had great systems, but we haven't had a great play caller at any point that I can recall. Never. Not Ricky Bustle had the system they had with Mike Vick was just perfect. Bustle wasn't a great play caller. He had an ungodly talent. Yeah. I'm sad because I see this system. You know, I think this system ten years ago, fifteen years ago, with some of the dynamic play, this system would have murdered people. Even even with Cornelson calling plays, this system would have murdered people in the Tyrod years. I mean, like, like, like my my thinking average is probably 43, 44 points a game without blinking. It could have worked with him. It could have worked in two thousand four with uh. He ran. Yeah, hell he ran. yeah. I mean, there's you know, it definitely could have been a uh, so system. <laughs> This is what I'll ask. Maybe, maybe Brian, we, we make it a poll question. Does Hokie Nation want to get one take all plays? I think we could put, probably put that out there. I'm going to ask you another question while we're, since we're kind of venting. I mean, this is probably more of a big picture than it is a right now question. But, you know, do, is there anything other than potentially changing the play call duties that we need to look at? To get through the rest of the season. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, defensively, you've got a whole new staff there trying to implement some different things. They didn't get spring. They didn't get through the ball. I can't look at that side of the ball. I'm just proud to see 
when when he makes adjustments, the adjustments in a way are working. Yeah, that is to be a first time coach. Everything that's happened this year to be with the new with new coaches. That's impressive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Other I guess, I guess the, the question is, is that has this staff as a whole, did they peak year one or are we going to see them get back to the consistency that we saw in that first year? Because even, even at its worst. Syracuse. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, 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 that season felt different. Like I, other, I think the only other game that had me sweating towards the end that year was, uh, other than the the Clemson matchup, was um, was the Duke game, which I was at that year. Yeah. Um, and then we and we just closed the door late. So. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I don't think I'm quite there with this unit yet, just because of what I saw today. I thought we were past the. Uh-huh. Things where we push through the adversity and end up close closing out games the way we should, because even in the UNC game, I felt like we pushed through adversity and closed pretty well, especially on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, this was a big step back for me. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, knee jerking or, you know, one game I'm, I'm pivoting from, you know, best offense we've had in a while to, you know, we got to completely, gut this thing but at the same time what happened today shouldn't happen and and that's got to start and end with the with the coaching staff and with the head coach so we got we got to hold that accountable and and try to make some changes and i know you know fuente took responsibility for this one at the at the podium but you know we still we it's it's one thing to take responsibility it's another thing to you know let's turn it around and um you know we got louisville coming in not coming in going down there so uh can I, can I say something around about what you said, though? Yeah. When he was hired and he came in here, he didn't essentially everything. I mean, yes, he hired Bud Foster's that staff. Yeah. But his fans knew how long can Bud do it? How long does Bud want to do it? Well, obviously, Bud had heart issues. So year one, coaching staff was – just went to head coach Brad Cornelson, offense coordinator, quarterback coach, zone burden, running backs coach, Holloman Wiggins, wide receiver coach, shy best tight ends, vice offensive line, right? Yep. Other side of the ball was Bud, Charlie, T. Gray for a while, B. Mitch for a while, Kalen Scott. Who's left on the staff? As of right now, nobody on the defensive side is nobody. Everybody's gone. Offensively, zone's gone, and I would say running backs looking better. Lichtenberg takes over. Running backs looking better. I'm wrong about Lichtenberg and his hair. (laughs) You can take the L on that one. That's okay. (laughs) Probably get tired by Alabama. Yeah, and some people will say, "Well, he's got all the talent in the world down there." Well, he got there, and they've been unreal. The Jalen Waddle ankle break was nasty to see today, so he's gone. You hired Jafar. I feel like Jafar's been a good hire. 
he's been a solid hire, and he's definitely got those receivers blocking a lot better. So let's 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 say it. That means there's three guys from the original staff left. Okay. One's the head coach, one is the offensive line coach, and one is the offensive coordinator. And if we're talking about what's happening this season, it's pretty easy, I think, to spot the weakest link of those three. There you go. There you go. And even of the, and if you if, if you can separate and say these are the new coaches, we cannot grade them. Not this year. It'll probably be the end of next year before we grade them. We grade on who's here. Job that's still a good special teams coach. The, the the fake punt, brilliant today. You have an athletic guy back there. You take the risk, brilliant call. Yeah. So it, it consistently goes back to the weakest link. And I think anybody say hey, some people felt like Vance Vice was the weakest link. Well, he's proven that wrong this year. We still ran for over 200 today. Yeah. I think we gave up two sacks. All right. If, if that's your worst game, then most people, most teams will take that. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, we went, we went spells in the, very the latter days of the, uh, the Beamer era in the early days of the Fuente era where we didn't go, we go stretches of not getting 200 rushing yards in a game. So the fact that we're still getting that on a bad day, I mean, that tells you the steps we've taken this year. Massive steps we've taken. Um, and, and you hate to bury the guy, but it's like after you had Gerard the first year, you had NFL wide receiver and Bucky, you had Cam, you had, you had, um, Isaiah Ford. Isaiah. I said Isaiah. That's what happens when you've been drinking and then you lose a game. But you had – and you had Gerard. You had an okay offensive line. Not great. Not this great. I'd love to see that line with that team, this line with that team. But you didn't have the good A running back like we do now. But what I've seen is even with that, we weren't elite. We were good. Above average, but not great elite. Yeah. And when you see the offense and you think about the play, and it goes back to the stuff we always have talked about with him. Good play design. There's just, there's, you know, in, in bad games like this, there's like 10 or 12 times where it's like, what the frick are you doing? Like, again, we talked about it a, a few times. He has not, he doesn't have the greatest feel sometimes for calls. And a lot of times, sometimes the, time when he has the worst feel is the time where he need like we need a good call the most. Um, so it's like, you know, taking a bad situation and just amplifying. It's like, okay, well we need a good call here. Oh, let's call something that's going to throw us for a negative loss. I mean, I know, you know, players still got to execute coaches call players execute, but yeah. you, know, you, you got to put the players in a position to have success. And I feel like oftentimes those calls don't put the players in a place to have success. Nope. The, the the two calls inside the 10 today are the ones I point to. Because if you just sit there and say, yep, you've had some success with Blackshear on the jet sweeps, but you've also had spacing guys spaced out. They're bunched now. I'm sitting here and just the, – the first one that happened, I just sat there and said to myself, just just run the ball. Just run the ball with Herbert in some way, shape, or form. Get positive yards. Get closer. So jump balls are in effect. Or, you know – Zone reads, quarterback counters, quarterback sweeps, 
all on the table. You ran it, it goed back to the Kentucky game with a freaking quarterback sweep short side when we needed a good play. Yep. It was the worst at the worst that I think me and you discussed afterwards. That was that was the change of the game. You do you call any other play in that game, it probably becomes ball game. But we didn't. Worst play at the worst time that set us back. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'll relitigate another part of the game here. Um, it was the field goal we missed. Um, the fifty-three yarder. Yeah, the way out there. Yeah, the the one where if it was me on that third down instead of dropping, handing back into a five-step drop, I'm handing the ball off to my running back and letting us either have a cha- a choice to go for it on fourth or kick a field goal. But instead of getting a potential, at least probably two or three yard gain on that play, you drop yourself six yards back and take a, make a 47 yard field goal, a 53 yard field goal. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah. And I mean, some of that's execution. Tanuta's got to do better blocking the defensive end on that play as well. But Run the ball. If you get seven, eight yards, you get a choice to either go for it on fourth or kick the field goal. And well, worst case scenario, you make that field goal shorter. Well, it's third and four. It's not even where it's third and six or seven. It was third and four on that play. Yeah. Third and four, it would have been a 47-yarder. You get three and you still don't feel comfortable going for it. At least it's, it's a 44, 45-yarder where you feel – where you know, holy crap, Tampa Bay just walked off. We got a 2-2 World Series. All right. Holy shit. Um, but back, back to this. <laughs> you put him in such a bad spot in that situation, it, it backs him up. Again, it was, it was a 42-yarder. So he would have had a 36-yarder. You run it, it would have been a 35-yarder where he's been almost automatic from. Yep. So it's and, not, and, it, it, it is right here. Let's do a five-step drop and try to – and also, it's a five-step drop. What did we take advantage of, Brian? That we 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 harped on on Thursday, and we harped on early here tonight. Let's take advantage of the quick passing game. Get the ball out in space, underneath the coverage. You know what? I'll I'll go back even further. When we were struggling to move the ball, that one play where we motioned Mitchell out and then got him out in space, it it ended up not being a great big game because he almost misread the block, but. It was a great design, and it got the job done, which was get us – I think we needed three yards on that play. We ended up getting, like, six or seven. Yeah. Like, I, I love that play call. Like, something like that where we're getting the ball out of Hooker's hands fast. I mean, even uh, – what was the other play where we ran um, – who was it? I think it was Tavion where we ran him right, like, underneath the coverage right. all the way across the formation. It was like a little four-yard drag. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we ran the drag across the formation, and he had room to make a guy miss, and he almost got the first down. He ended up, like, three yards short. Like, something like that on on that play would have been way better than what we ended up going with. Like, you're playing into their strengths too much. And, I mean, I know at some point you was like, well, I'm going to call this play, and the players have to execute. But, okay, but that that's that doesn't always work, man. Sometimes, Again, sometimes you need to put the players in a position to have success and not just, well, this is the play. You need to execute it. 
it, it, it's one of those weird things where it's almost like um almost like like in a escape room or stuff like that. Maybe on the football team or in fraternities where it's just like we're gonna give you an almost impossible mission. You might complete it, but it's almost impossible to complete. Versus and that's what he's doing. Here's the impossible mission. You probably can complete it. Well, coach, why don't we do that? That's really easy, and we're gonna get eight yards. No, no, no. This one. Right here. Right here. This one's what you're gonna do. Are are you are you saying that uh Cornelson likes to Kobayashi Maru the offense sometimes? <laughs> but, but I have a question. You see the looks on the faces. You see the energy level of the guys. Yeah. I mean, no, for real. Like, do, do you feel like they're sitting here, like, like all those guys going, oh, man, this is when we can run. Like, Hendon's there waiting for the play call. Man, this would be a good time for QB counter, wouldn't it, guys? Oh, yeah, it'd be great. That sweet short side. What? What are we – what are we – Maybe when we get into it, maybe they're set up something weird and he wants to bail out of it. All right, and we look at the sideline. Okay, he, he, we're not bailing out of it. There's no check with me. He, we're going with this. What do I do? What do I do? And eventually, Buckle up, boys. Well, think about it. Eventually, if the play calls become like that, do they give some leverage? Just for once they give leverage to him to say, if you feel like it's a bad look and a bad play, check out. Check out, yeah. And if there's and if you check out more than this many times a game, I've got to have having conversations. Did you right, just see yeah. the uh, the Cincinnati like ninety yard quarterback keeper yes, for a touchdown? Yes, I did, and that sort of put that game out of reach right there for SMU. Um, all right, Brian had the uh, had the uh, pork turn out. Turned out good, man. Ended up actually adding it to some uh, some Brunswick stew. Um, how much did you eat? After the uh, wall. I ate enough. And then we ended up having steak for dinner, too, so it was like a double whammy, man. Yeah, had, we, had, had the uh, the stew for lunch and then had that for dinner. Oh, man. Dude, we ate late, and I ended up – yeah, I, I went all crazy. Steak and – steak Gino sub. Ordered you, my you, went, you went full fat kid, huh? Yeah, uh, then I got myself my own order of fries. My wife didn't want any. Then we got mozzarella sticks. And then we got a salad. But their ranch dressing, some of the best ranch dressing ever. So I just dumped the whole thing. <laughs> nice. Dude, I speaking of which, what, what, does, what does Hurley's, what, what ranch dressing do they use? Because their ranch dressing is always baller as well. I don't know. I think those places like that, they make their own. They I might. They're I mean, too good. Both of those places are too good to essentially, like, buy, if, if it's store-bought, it's somewhere that tell me what it is, man. I just need to know <laughs> because nobody, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm usually for wings. I'm a blue cheese guy, but anytime I go to Hurley's or um, something like that, like I always get ranch because their ranch is so good. It is so much. All right, Brian. Anything else coming out here? Did we leave Brad and Winston Salem and tell him he's never coming back again? And he's hitchhiking back to Blacksburg, man. Um, you know, we just had a hour and almost twenty minute rant session here. Um, we didn't really have a rundown, ladies and gentlemen. We just kind of said this is what we want to talk about and kind of went. So if it's a little little off the normal beaten path, you know, let us know. But we just kind of felt with the way the game was played, both sloppy and 
very beat yourself. We figured we're just going to run this podcast kind of the same way and just let y'all know how we feel and, and let it ride. So that's what you got. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Y'all know where to follow us. Amazon, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate, review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. As always, we let our friend Jason Long play us out. Brian, what's he playing us out to tonight? Almost gave up drinking, man. Anytime we lose, we're on the verge of almost giving up drinking, and then we pound several beers in the course of an hour while we're doing this. Check him out, Spotify, Apple Music. Our buddies, he's down in the NRV. Hopefully be putting out some new material soon. If he hey. you guys. Whether they win or whether they lose. As always, let's go. Okay. Well, I almost gave up drinking. I cut back the three a day. I even started exercising. Cause the age never shaved. And I could smoke a Marlboro Red. I ain't a salad now and then. Well, in last week she up and left.